Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Hello and welcome wherever you are in our great country or around the world. This is Judge Jim Gray on the Voice America Variety Channel, and I'm always just excited to be with you for another edition of All Rise. The idea being that if we employ libertarian values, employ libertarian approaches like we're going to talk about this coming hour, we will all rise together. You know, education, being able to have incentives, of being able to get enjoy the profits of your labors, and able to, to assist other people in a voluntary fashion uh, with reduced government, reduced government intrusion, expense, and allowing us to thrive. We will all rise together. Today we're going to talk about peer court mentoring, as well as other ways of being able to help mentor our young people. And we have a guest named Owen Creditor. Owen is E-O-I-N, Creditor, K-R-E-D-I-T-O-R. He's an attorney here in Orange County, heavily involved in many philanthropic types of opportunities, and also really involved in what we call peer court. Peer Court in Orange County, where we now, as administered by the Constitutional Rights Foundation of Orange County, we're in something like, I think it's 18 schools, 18 high schools around the county uh, each year, where we take real juvenile cases into those schools, that we impanel a high school jury, somewhere between six and ten high school students, and allow then those jurors to ask questions, both of the subject as well as the subject parents that are required to be there. And these are real juvenile delinquency cases, and they're, not, they're more, more aggressive, more important than just jaywalking or something, but they're also, of course, not uh, robbing a liquor store. But, but somewhere in there, a lot of marijuana offenses, drug offenses, taking your family car without permission, uh, sometimes assaults, that sort of thing. And the subject have already acknowledged the offense, so it's not a question of guilt or innocence. But once then the students are able to ask them questions, uh, they will get enough information, retire, and make a recommended sentence to a real judge. The judge will impose that sentence, usually adjusted downward, because sometimes these high school jurors are pretty tough dudes. But then if the subject completes that sentence within four months, uh, the whole charges will be dismissed, will not have a juvenile record, and they can move on. Now, that's real benefit to the individual. But we also benefit, as we have found, the high school, the high school students who are on the juries. They think as well, gee, I was thinking of doing this. I was thinking of doing that. But that's not going to further my career. That's not going to help me. If I shoplift a, a DVD from from store in some fashion, uh, that's not going to assist me. And also, the parents learn that the peers of their students really expect parents to parent, which is sometimes quite a revelation for the students as well, as well as the parents. So we are able to get to those folks and help mentor them by making exciting understandings that they have. And also we'll have another 40 or 50 students in the audience learning the same thing. So this is what we do. We're going to be escorted through this system by a member of the board of directors of the uh, 
Constitutional Rights County of Orange County. His name is Owen Creditor. He was born in Dublin, Ireland, I just learned, and then was raised in the Southern California area, graduated from San Marino High School in the Los Angeles area, went to the University of Southern California with honors degree as a bachelor, and then uh, got his JD, his, his uh, legal uh, degree from the USC Law School. Was also, as I understand it, Owen, a moot court finalist, which leads you into, of course, what we're doing here. He's in real estate litigation, corporate litigation, is now a partner with the law firm of Fitzgerald Yap and Creditor in Irvine, California. And again, many charitable events. As I said, the board of directors of, of the Constitutional Rights Foundation, as well as, as attended uh, sessions of peer court as a judge. Uh, one of the few attorneys that we've actually had do that. It's also on the Orange County School of the Arts Board, Orange County Bar Association. So, Owen Creditor, welcome to All Rise. Thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for being with us. Uh, thanks, Jim. I appreciate you having me on today. Um, uh, and I appreciate the topic, of course, today, because it's something that's been near and dear to my heart for uh, a few plus decades. <laughs> yeah, you started when you were 12 years old then, as I understand it. But uh, <laughs> we can, I, I understand no, that you got involved uh, but with I was the Constitutional definitely a very Rights young Foundation. Lawyer, that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. Well, you have to cater to my guests. And uh, I tell people, by the way, Owen, it's the same idea that I was on the bench for 25 years and retired uh, 10 and a half years ago and tell people in my mediations, of course, that I became a judge when I was 12 years old. That's why I'm still so young and I don't allow any cross-examination on that issue whatsoever. We'll just accept that. So <laughs> it's kind of in the same vein here. But I understand that your uh, involvement with CRF, the Constitutional Rights Foundation, really began because you attended a peer court session. Is that a rumor true? Yeah. Yep, it's funny. The, um, the 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 relationship began exactly as you described it. Uh, I was a young lawyer at a real estate firm in Newport Beach. It was uh, 1993, 1994 time frame. And one of the ladies that worked at the firm, she was a partner in the firm in land use. She was on the board of directors for the Constitutional Rights Foundation at the time. And they were just launching this peer court program. And she asked me whether I would be interested in attending the program as an attorney advisor. And I attended the program at a local school in Santa Ana. I believe you were the judge. And um, from that moment on, I fell in love with that program and have been, it's been a part of my life um, since that time to the present. Well, it's, it, it really is great. Uh, we've, we've gotten so much out of it, and we're going to get into this as we go. But first, tell us a little more about your background. I, I filled it in a little bit. Sure. How did you happen to be born in Dublin, Ireland? Uh, at, were, you, was your, were your parents uh, from Ireland, or what, how did that come about? No, you know, it's funny. People always have that assumption um, that there's somehow some, some Irish blood in the family, but the truth is, is that uh, my father was an architect in Boston. He had finished his graduate degree at the University of Pennsylvania. I was working as an architect, and the United Nations was putting together a group of professionals in, I think, engineering, architecture, building fields, and sending them to Ireland to assist the Irish government, I guess, with some planning and development that was going on there. And um, as a result of my father's relationship with the boss, the boss was asked to attend or be a part of this group, and my father was asked to be a part of it as well because the boss wanted him there. So uh, he he went ahead and did that uh, for a few years, and during that time frame had 
my brother and I, I was an identical twin. Um, and he had already had my older sister when they were living in Massachusetts. So now all of a sudden he found himself with three kids. Uh, the assignment in Ireland had completed and he interviewed for a position uh, in London with the University of Southern California and was offered the job on the spot and took the position in 1996 and was a part of the school until roughly three years ago. So uh, 50 years with the university. (laughs) Indeed so. Well, I can tell you too, Owen, that uh, we have quite a contingency of of listeners from Ireland happens to be on this show, but if you think about it, it really should not be that surprising because the country, Ireland, the government has adopted libertarian values and, and approaches really quite a while ago and has one of the strongest economies in the world because they've reduced regulations. They have much more of the responsibility all the way around. So so you have a lot of friends here, and I'm sure many of them were born in Dublin as well, but that, that's just kind of the way things are going. What is the type of law practice that you are involved with now? Okay, so as you mentioned, um, uh, real estate, corporate uh, litigation, um, the 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 firm that we have, I was a co-founder of the firm approximately five years ago, and the firm offers disciplines in corporate securities, real estate, trust and estate planning litigation. So um, I have clients who who you know need services in all those areas, but my actual sort of daily work is in real estate. It's more construction, development, telecommunications. Um, and in corporate, it's typically, you know, business disputes, partnership disputes, disputes between vendors and, and businesses. Uh, it keeps me busy. It keeps me entertained because it, it changes. It's not the same body of law that I review it each day, uh, which I appreciate it. And I do rely tremendously on the help of others who work with us who um, carry the daily load and, and allow me to do the things that I have to do to keep the firm running as well as uh, keep the clients happy. Of course. Well, we're in the service business all the way around. So tell us a little bit about the Constitutional Rights Foundation of Orange County. Uh, I know it's a national group, but uh, now this is a chapter from Orange County. What are the projects that they have in addition to Peer Court? And then we'll roll up our sleeves and get more deeply into Peer Court itself. Sure. The... um uh, I guess it's affectionately known as CRFOC, Constitutional Rights Foundation of Orange County. It's a spinoff from CRFLA um, some years back in the 80s. Um, and the organization essentially puts on high school programs, or I should say educational programs for high school students predominantly. We have been able to start delivering some of our programs to the middle school students, which I believe is a very much an untapped um, area that needs support. These kids are at very impressionable ages during those middle school years, and they seem to be largely ignored, is what I've observed over the years for you know, a lot of the school districts around Orange County. Um, but CRF provides, as I said, these educational programs that consist of one peer court program uh, to the mock trial program. They have a Constitution Day program, a Law Day program, and a Business Issues Conference program. A number of these programs are either one or a few days long, and then programs like Mock Trial or Peer Court last throughout uh, a period of several weeks or months. 
the uh, mock trial is a national program that the uh, every every year they give you a factual situation and then some authorities, be it constitution or laws or, and various cases, and then you actually do come to court the courthouse and uh, these various teams will present those uh, mock trial arguments and some of them are just amazing. They're just really really a great thing to watch. I know you've participated in those, uh, Owen. Give us a couple of the experiences that you have seen at mock trial. Yeah, I was lucky enough when I was past president for uh, the Constitutional Rights Foundation, you always get invited to watch the finals. Um, and you also get invited to score on the final round. So I really appreciated that opportunity. Um, it was two great high schools. Um, and the... Um, I mean, the, the the victory was so narrow because both of them did a tremendous job, and I was extremely impressed with how these kids put on these presentations. Uh, and, and that was the opportunity to watch at the highest level for that year, several years ago. Um, and then last year, I actually went and I worked as a scorer for um, a session that involved kids from one of the, the, the groups was the kids from the juvenile detention facility. And I didn't know that I was getting assigned to that um, group, but they were also playing against a very, I think it was Sage Hill High School. So on the one hand, you had these kids who were going through the juvenile detention system, and on the other hand, you had these kids who lived, I'd say, rather privileged lives, Um, because I think Sage is probably one of the most expensive private schools in Orange County. Um. And the children, the kids who were operating from the juvenile facility were amazing. They did an incredible job under all of the conditions that they had. It looked like they were wearing borrowed suits. Um, they obviously didn't have uh, as grasp uh, as good a grasp necessarily of of certain words in the English language as perhaps their counterparts. But it didn't matter. They did a great job. They showed passion, commitment. Uh, they showed intellect. I mean, all the way around. I was very impressed with how they performed. But I think the Sage kids they edged them out at the end um, in terms of the overall scoring, if I recall. But uh, I was very impressed, and I, I I was glad to see these kids get that opportunity. Well, Owen, years ago, uh, I was actually privileged to be able to be the first judge for a mock trial on a juvenile detention facility team. And it was started by Alan Cravaro, who was then in the district, the uh, public defender's office. And he's one of one of our prior guests on this All Rise show. But he told me that, you know, they'd bring these, bust these young people in from the juvenile detention facilities. And it was a victory. It took them about two weeks. It was deemed to be a victory just to get them to hold, have their pants up above their, their bottom level. To just to, We'd have victories where we could get them. But, uh, you know, the, the opposing team who was a regular high school, had no idea. We called them the, you know, some form of high school that they'd never heard of, but they didn't know that they were in detention. But they really did a marvelous job. And it was uh, sometimes yeah. you'd get some of these young people in there saying, well, you don't know what it's like to be involved in such and such. And I'd kind of know what was going on, but they wouldn't. But it's a marvelous opportunity. And, I'm, and I've heard from numbers of those young people since saying it really helped change their lives. And CRF and Owen Creditor were, were a big part of that. Let's get back, though, to our peer court. Uh, actually, sure. with, with, 
with a little modesty aside, uh, it was my idea for a peer court, and uh, we decided originally that we were not going to compete for the guilt or innocence because that would kind of divert from our from our involvement. But trying to mentor our kids, trying to mentor our young people, and so uh, I learned in the when I was in Peace Corps training that a that a project is not going to be successful unless it will get along without you. So I haven't really been involved with peer court materially for about the last five or ten years, but it's thriving from what I can tell. Uh, tell us again, just in your own words, what do we do, uh, how is it set up, and uh, and what happens? Sure. Okay, so um, the, your brainchild definitely has, has um uh, lived on and will continue to because there's a lot of people who are passionate about it. You know, if you think about it, Peer Court is a collaboration with our school system, our judicial system, our probation department, our local police force, and a nonprofit by the name of Waymakers who's become instrumental in our overall current success and operation. Um, and what I mean by that is that it takes individuals from each one of those areas to allow peer court to function. We, we have it at schools. We couldn't have it but for the schools, a teacher there who takes the time to rally support, sees the importance and value of a peer court program, and commits to uh, reserving a room and allowing us an opportunity to present the case. It takes the judge and the judiciary taking time out of their days and coming down to that school and putting on the robe and taking time to, to speak to the students and listen to the students and give some students the first exposure ever to being around a judge, ever. You know? um, so it's an amazing opportunity both for the students who are watching as well as the students who are as jurors as well as the student who may be the the individual or minor who is answering questions. Um, and then, of course, you've got probation and you've got local authorities and waymakers because we need to get the cases. Um, we need the referral sources, the agencies providing us with the means to um, present these, these real-life situations. We can't just create this like Hollywood. So uh, we work with these local organizations, probation, Orange County Probation Department helps us find cases. It, it, when this program first started, it was Orange County Probation that administered the grant that helped get this thing off the ground. Um, but over the years, we've actually started developing relationships with other referral sources. And most recently in the last few years, there's become a community policing approach to juvenile crime, um, a restorative justice approach. And as a result, you've seen more things being addressed at the community level where the police departments themselves are undertaking programs, implementing um, alternative diversion measures to working with youth rather than it going actually to the district attorney's office. That's where a company called Waymakers comes in, and Waymakers is the one that helps oversee and implement and administer these alternative diversion programs. And one of the programs that we bring to the local agencies is the peer court program. So we are getting cases referred to us from probation. We're getting cases referred to us from the um, um, local police at the community level. Uh, we have looked into developing referral sources directly from the school sources. And in fact, most recently, we started to develop some referral sources coming directly from the courts. 
um, and the courts are working with us on that as well. Most notably, the head of the um, juvenile court uh, is a big supporter and believes in the pure court program, and so is working with us closely and with a couple other judges to find some additional referral sources there. Well, Owen Creditor, one of the most important things a person can do or a society can do from my standpoint is to help mentor our young people. And you were mentioning that the middle schools are not getting much mentoring, which regretfully is true, and we're stepping forward. But I'll I'll never forget when I was just a young federal prosecutor in the United States Attorney's Office, the first drug case I tried was an undercover sale, and the agent was in South Central Los Angeles, and he told me, just as they were organizing the final purchase, to their, and then the arrests and the rest, he saw this man come in as the buyer, the illegal buyer, and, and that uh, uh, he was a, a, a classmate of the agents in high school. And so he immediately told people, well, don't, I can't come in there. It'll know me. It'll blow the whole deal. So they had a different agent come in. But then he told me something. And the reason I'm bringing it up here is that when I was in high school, I was mentored by my basketball coach. When my friend was in high school, he was mentored by a drug dealer. So there, but for the grace of God, I could have had the situation reversed. And he was really true. We need to help mentor our young people. And Pure Court helps by doing that. I, as a judge, you know, wearing a robe, and they'll be respectful and the rest, but, you know, I'm an old fogey, and they, they won't listen to me so much, but they will men- listen to their peers. And when their peers say, well, you know, you, had a, you have a, a younger sister, don't you, to the subject? Yes. And you, you smoke in marijuana, but, but do you want your younger sister to smoke marijuana? No, I can't say I do. Well, don't you realize that if you smoke marijuana, regardless of what you tell her, she's probably going to smoke it too. Had you thought of that before? You know, different things like that. What are examples that you have seen, of course, without giving names, but of a few more of the unusual or gratifying cases that you have seen on our peer court that helps us do that mentoring business? Well, um, I've seen a number of cases over the years. I, I was an attorney advisor for uh, Foothill High School many years ago, and so that was my primary high school that I would go to. Um, and, in fact, the the judge who was uh, assigned to the high school lived right around the corner from the high school, and, in fact, the, his sons had gone to the same high school. Um, so I got to see a lot of great cases there, and as you said, it was typically it was going to involve either marijuana offenses or some minor fighting offenses, um, things of that nature. But um, occasionally you'd see something that was a little bit different. Um, I had a a case one time involving a young man who was getting into trouble for at school, um, and ultimately it got to the point where they were. And they sent him off to the pure court program. And during the session, um, his parent or guardian who attended was his grandmother. And during the session, um, the grandmother was being asked questions by the jurors. And as you pointed out, this is a really unique opportunity in the sense that Kids are going to ask some pretty direct questions, but they're sensitive to the to the to the person up there. They they they're not mean or overly aggressive, but they ask them direct questions, and they'll also ask direct questions to the parents. Did you punish them? Did you do anything about this? Are you okay with this? Do you trust them? All those types of things. And in this situation, they were asking questions to the grandmother, and the grandmother took the moment and broke down in tears and looked at the jurors and pleaded with them to please help 
help get through to her grandson. Her, she no longer was able to get through to him. And she was begging them to find that path. Um, and it was very interesting that the jurors took that to heart when they went back into deliberations and came back with the recommended sanctions. They really, they, they talked about counseling for the individual and the need to be able to create better communication skills with his grandmother. And that he, this young man needs to understand all the different things that the grandmother is doing. So although the young man was there for having violated something, well, a penal code section that could lead to fines or imprisonment, this became a lot more about a parenting relationship. Um, and whether or not it, 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 it has a positive effect, I don't know in the long run, but I know at that moment in time it seemed to have a positive effect. You know, the grandmother was grateful. She felt that she finally was in a setting where she could look at her own grandchild who she was raising, because the parents, I think, were back somewhere else living somewhere in the country. Um, she was raising this person. Um, and obviously needed to be able to guide the person and mentor the person, and she had reached a point where she couldn't do it. So uh, I appreciated being a part of Pure Court when that when that case came around, um, and and what I was able to experience there. And then most recently, and if I need to stop because of a break, let me know. But most recently, there was a case, and it was a very interesting case where a young man who came from a very strong household, loving parents, professional parents. Uh, successful. Um, he's the only child. Uh, didn't really want for anything, but the pressure and strain of being a high school student today and trying to be successful and trying to get into that next level, that great university, um, was so much for this young man and trying to combine academics and uh, sports and life that he found a way to procure a device that allowed him to somehow change the grades on the computer. Uh, uh, the teacher, you know, through the teacher, and he was able to figure this out and, and accomplish this, and and that was a very unusual case to have in the in peer court. Um, but I thought it was appropriate. I think this young man learns, but that's really pushing the envelope in terms of sort of devious nature and what you're trying to do in terms of committing a crime. Yes. Um, but yeah, well, uh, as you as you know, Owen, we put so much pressure on our high school kids now. Uh, it's just, it's really difficult. When I was, when I was in high school, there weren't nearly the pressure to get into UCLA, for example. And now it's just unbelievable, uh, the, the pressure that we put our kids to. So I, I don't think I would have ever tried to change the computer, mostly because as far as my techie ability is concerned, I'm almost ready to embrace the Y2K problem. Not quite, but I think I've got my arms around it. But So I wouldn't have the ability. But look, we'll come back in a few minutes and really <laughs> dig in more to our to our peer court program because it really is in, in heartening to see how we can show various people, uh, show this youngster that her grandmother, his grandmother was really at her wit's end because he wasn't listening to her. You know, it's, it's really one way of mentoring that is is enormously successful and enormously gratifying. So we'll dig our way into that a little bit more after these couple of messages. Talk to you then. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk 
Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States, and we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit LP.org today to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at LP.org. Together, we can move mountains. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back. Again, this is Judge Jim Gray on All Rise with the idea that if we employ libertarian values like we're doing with mentoring and peer court, we will all rise together. And I have my esteemed guest, Owen Creditor, who's an attorney, also just a very heavily involved in the Constitutional Rights Foundation of Orange County, which is the administrator for our peer court. But my wife, again, reigns supreme here because she's asked me to get into a little bit of silliness on each show. So I'm going to share with you my two favorite signs that I've heard about held up by fans at sporting events. And the first one took place, as best I can recall, back in like 1962, I was listening to a broadcast of the Dodgers baseball game on opening day from Shea Stadium uh, with the Mets in New York. And Vin Scully, of course, was the play-by-play announcer. And all of a sudden, he started laughing. And I just, that's unusual. And finally, he broke back in and apologized, but said, look, I am now looking down at the right field bleachers, and there's this man holding up a sign saying, wait till next year. Come on, it's opening day. So I thought that was really kind of clever and kind of funny because the Mets were not playing good baseball back back then. And the other one I saw actually at a UCLA basketball game, and this young man stood up with this big sign, and the sign said, the people behind me can't see. And of course, that was true also, and I thought that was kind of clever. So at any rate, I don't know if that brings some chuckles, but let's come back to our peer court that uh, I have have seen numbers of things be successful, and I'll I'll ask my guest, uh, Owen Creditor, to come up with his own examples as well. But one of them I would do, you have this subject there from, from in peer court, real juvenile delinquency case, and I would ask him or her, say, close your eyes, literally, and think of your three closest friends. You don't have to tell us who they are, but think of them, get them in mind. Do you have them now? Yes. Do you believe that those three friends will be successful in their lives 10 years from now? And usually the answer is, no, I don't think so. And then you say to them, look, 
you, you understand that you hang out with people who are going to ditch school, are going to smoke marijuana, talk back to their teachers, talk back to their, to their uh, parents. They're probably not going to be successful. Let me give you a hint. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Because if you hang out with young people that roll up their sleeves, are respectful, dig in, work hard, and are going to be successful, the odds are good that you are too. And so the, the next thing you ask them is, okay, how old are you? Okay, I've only had one person get that question wrong, but at any rate, uh, you're 16. How old are you going to be 10 years from now? Well, I'll be 26. What do you want your life to look like 10 years from now? Now, look, we all know that 10 years is going to go by really quickly, but uh, if you're 16, it's an eternity. You just don't think in those terms. But if you do, oh, I want to be an engineer. Oh, I want to be in a firefighter. Well, is shoplifting going to help you accomplish that? You know, if you don't know this. You want to go to UCLA? Well, I'm the the person that decides on registration. You say, do I want a thief in my school? Had you thought of that before? You know, so accountability is huge, and they just start thinking in those terms. So I have found those sorts of, sorts of approaches to be successful. Oh, and creditor, uh, can you have similar examples where you actually are helping open the eyes of these young people to their future? Well, it's funny. I have to tell you the truth. I watched a number of peer court sessions early on where you were the judge. And so when I was asked to sit in as the judge, I did tend to to use a lot of your stylistic approaches because I appreciate it. And obviously I was learning from the original master of the program. But, um, um, I, you know, I, I, I remember specific a specific case where I was the judge, and it was a young lady, and the young lady um, was clearly having issues. She was having issues with friends. It led to an altercation, um, and and I remember that um, during the course of the case with the the questions being asked by the jurors and the questions being asked to the parents and the questions that I was asking, that at one point the young lady broke down crying. And it was almost like you saw this transformative event occur um, where she was suddenly able to let the pain out that she was dealing with. Um, that's unique because I've also seen the other end of the spectrum where the, where the, the, the minor barely lifts their head up because it's just too embarrassing for them to even face their peers and address this, um, which really takes away from the whole program because the whole idea, of, you know, as you know from your, from your creation, that this is a setting where you don't know the minor, they don't know the story, so it's brand new, but they clearly know, they know of similar incidences in their life. Uh, where they've been with their friends, and they may have even been doing the same thing, but they didn't get caught. And now, all of a sudden, they're seeing the real-life consequences of that. Um, And the the minors, so the minors are educating them as well, so it's very unique. But, yeah, I've seen that kind of experience where you see the kid really start to get it. It's like the light bulb went on, and you you can tell that this kid's going to be okay down the road. But there are some times where we've seen some kids, unfortunately, that are still needing to learn more. They're still being a little too defiant. And a lot of times what you've seen in that situation is you've seen the parent seems a bit hostile and angry. So, you know, I'm a firm believer having been married for 28 years and raised two kids that the individual, the kid's nature and personality in many parts is reflecting what they see and learn from home, see from their parents and learn from the parents. 
So unfortunately, we had to deal with situations where even the parents were getting a talking to from the jurors. And they were basically saying, you know, you should care about this. Why don't Indeed. you? Indeed. Um, and hats off to the jurors, because this is a rare opportunity for um, a high school student or even a middle school student to ask questions of a parent like that. That's right. Well, it just broadens the perspective from what I can tell. It gives more insights from different areas of life. And I have heard some of our peers, uh, peer high school students, look at the parent and say, well, what do you mean you didn't know where your 12-year-old daughter was on a, at midnight right. on a school night? Uh, what do you mean right. you don't know who your son's friends are? And they'd look at the, the subject. Are you embarrassed about your friends? Don't you bring them over and introduce them to your family? You know, it's, it's, it brings that perspective. And like I say, you know, we're older types and even wearing robes. Uh, we, we can get their attention, but the lasting imprint comes from the peers asking those questions. Again, the idea of there's you're not your child's friends you're their parent that's different you know and 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 that's the sort of thing that we're able to bring in so what have been the results of peer court Owen? you're involved with the administration as well Uh, do we keep records as to recidivism rates Uh, obviously if it was just something minor like jaywalking like i said before or or snarling at people uh that's not worth the time but but do we have recidivism rates information we, you know, we have developed the information. We worked closely with probation um, when the program first uh, started, uh, you know, really almost 25 years ago. And so we have been able to track that. And, and the great news is the recidivism rate is really low. I mean, the kids who go through the program, rarely do you see anything come back in terms of reoffenses. I think that it's a function of identifying the right kid um, for the program, and then it's a function of, you know, in, in making sure the kid completes the program. Um, and they don't, the, the idea, and, it, and it's interesting because the, um, the approach has evolved over time. As we get smarter and understand more about the sciences of the brain and things of that nature, they start to understand more about what works um, in terms of motivating our youth. Is it you know, making them sweat and carry boulders around, or is it other activities? And, and what's, what I'm seeing now when talking with our collaborative partners out there is that um, it's very much a perspective of punishing the kid is not what we think is in the kid's best interest, but educating the kid and listening to the kid to find out what it is that may have caused the kid to veer off the track and then try to find that solution. But um, so that, so nowadays you don't see recommendations of community service hours of 40, 50, 60 hours. When we first started this program and the jurors were recommending community service hours, there was many times when I was in deliberations where they would come back with recommendations of 40, 50, 60 hours of time. They felt the kid really needed to sweat it out of them. And nowadays, that's, it's a fraction. You know, it's six to eight hours, ten hours. It's a lot less. Sometimes to write a, an article uh, to, in effect, to the judge explaining what they've learned from the system, the, explaining what had happened. And by the way, we didn't mention this, but at the very outset of these uh, peer court sessions, which usually last about 
half an hour. We'll usually have four segments in uh, per session so that we'll have four different subjects, four different juries, etc. But they will, the probation officer will read to the jury and those listening uh, a recap of what the circumstances are, what happened and the rest. So we're all kind of dealing with the same deal. But, but it's so important, and Owen, you just, you just hit on this, that it's so easy to get into the juvenile justice system, to be typed that way, and so hard to get out. Once you're in, you know, it brands you in some way. Anyway. So with peer court, they're not brought into the system. Like we said, it's a diversion program. So if they complete the sentence within four months, the charges are dismissed. There's no conviction. Uh, you don't, you're not branded in that fashion. So the purpose of the criminal justice system for juveniles as well as adults is not to incarcerate, not to punish, not to get our pound of flesh, but it's to reduce crime. It's to show people right. that they're responsible for their actions and that if they do something positive, they'll be rewarded. And if they do something negative, you know, there are going to be repercussions. So the purpose of that is to show people, you mentioned the word restorative justice, to bring the victims and the perpetrators together, to bring responsibility into it. That's what we're able to do at a fairly young age in peer court. It's an expensive proposition. You, you, you've heard how many various players there are and how much it does take money. That certainly does, but not, not as much as one would think. But if you only get to that one subject and that subject's parents, that would be impressive and it would be helpful, but probably given everything else, not worth the the investment of time and money. But you're also getting across to the jurors who are asking these questions. And like Owen Creditor just said, probably they may very well have done the same thing or been thinking about doing the same thing as they're now holding up against the subject. And then you have another 40 or 50 students in the audience uh, listening to this, thinking there, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, I may have to, uh, to change my ways a bit. So, so that's really important. Owen Creditor, you're in the CRF. You are an administrator of this as well as a participant. Is someone listening to our sh- session here would like to begin a peer court program in their area, where could they go to get more information in order to assist in doing that? Um, well, obviously they can reach out to the Constitutional Rights Foundation. They can write uh, write to us. Uh, Teresa Bernard is our program manager. If they're really interested in having the program, because one of the things that we can do is if their school is not participating in the program, but the student is interested in, in and attending and are participating, there are times when we've had students who will attend a program that's in a nearby school. So we give students that opportunity on many occasions. And in fact, I've heard stories of individuals who make their parents drive them to many different peer court sessions because they, they love attending the peer court sessions. It's the, the start of their future legal career. Um, uh, so you can reach out that way, and, and and or the other thing is that if your school is already participating in um, CRF programs, like the mock trial program, where they participate in one of the law day conferences or Constitution Day, um, then I, I would recommend that they speak with the teacher who oversees that and discuss with the teacher that reaching out to CRF about adding their school as a peer court school. One of the things that we have to be careful about is that we don't want to add schools uh, as a peer court school unless we're sure we're going to have enough cases to be able to present at the school. Um, We are utilizing the volunteer resources of judges, uh, probation officials, voluntary probation officers, so we want to be careful that um, people don't show up at a school and there's nothing to present. 
So we are very careful in terms of uh, adding on new schools, but we love the idea of giving people the opportunity to participate, so that's why we welcome them at other schools. And as we continue to develop the referral sources that I mentioned earlier, and that continues to grow, we'll be in a better position to add more schools as well. Does CRF uh, Orange County have a website that people could go to for more information, Owen? does, and I apologize for not mentioning that. Yes, we do have a website, and in fact, we are working on a new video, a peer court video. It's not done yet, but we're looking to complete something in the next few months, um, and I imagine that that will also be on the website, and people can access the video so they can see a what we would describe or allow people to, to see how a case actually works. What is the website? Is it crf.org, or is my memory faulty? Ah, Got that right here. Um, it's crfoc at crfoc.org. Okay. Close, but... Sorry. So www.crfoc.org. Okay. Good done. That so is, the that email is... address is the first thing I gave you, and the website is the last thing. Okay. Say it again for us, for us so people can write sure. it down if they the want. The website is org. Good, good. So we if are... If they want to reach out by email, they can use crfoc at crfoc.org. Okay? So you had mentioned also the Constitution Day. And so, again, it's a question of education. It's, it's, it's the greatest document ever written by the hand of man from my standpoint and certainly the epitome of the Enlightenment. But uh, I, on occasion as a judge, have had an opportunity to swear people into various jobs, frequently at the Bar Association or things like that. And, of course, you always swear to uphold and defend the Constitution. And then I have them hold their hand up a little bit longer and say, all right, and now swear that you'll read it. Because a lot of people have just never read the Constitution. They're not aware of what it stands for, not aware of how we have separations of powers, the brilliance of, of all of that, uh, as well as the judicial system that the judicial system is the only of our three branches of government that actually are intended to uphold minority rights. That You get to the executive, they're elected by the majority. You get to the legislature, they're elected by the majority, so they much more cater to the majority's rights just in order to stay in office. But it's the judiciary under the Constitution that is there to protect the little guy, to protect the, uh, the, the underdog or the minority to the degree that, as Winston Churchill used to say, uh, democracy is basically two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for dinner. Well, the judiciary protects the rights of the lamb, and, and it's critically important. So if you're not familiar with the Constitution, read about it, read it, or, of course, attend a CRF Constitution Law Day. Uh, what, what do we actually talk about on those law days for CRF, Owen Creditor, member of the Board of Directors? Well, in, in the... Um uh, the Constitution Day program that's been put on the last few years, and I've had the opportunity to present the program at, at some of the local schools, high schools, uh, has centered in the past few years on the First Amendment. And it's been very interesting watching the kids learn about the application of the Constitution to everyday life. And, and 
who has the right to enforce it, who doesn't have the right to enforce it, who has the right to follow it, who doesn't have to follow it, um, and learning, watching the students learn, you know, sort of in a demonstrative manner as opposed to just uh, pure lecturing. Uh, and luckily for us, we have uh, two great board members in Alan Cravaro and Alan Slater who put together a self-contained a presentation package so that people like myself can just go and review it and then walk into a classroom and present it. And uh, the students seem to really enjoy it. I think the, the, the teachers typically enjoy it. Um, and it's a lot of fun because it's always something where I'm learning as well. You know, I don't spend my day practicing constitutional law. Constitutional law issues certainly can, can come into play at times, but um, it's enjoyable to analyze something a little bit different than the standard fare I may read on a regular basis. Well, of course, as you know, that the best way of learning something is preparing to teach it to someone else, and, and you really yeah. get, get really into it that way. And like, But that just should never end, that, that we are so blessed in our world to be able to have what we have, do what we have, be where we be, uh, and to be able to learn. And, and I, I actually, oh, and you probably don't know this, but I wrote a musical called Americans All, and it's been performed by Irvine High School. It's been formed on the season by Vanguard University, and it was meant to mentor our, our young people, kind of in the same way that Peer Court did. I used a lot of the lessons I learned in Peer Court uh, and wisdom, so-called, uh, to put into the musical, such that uh, we had the uh, the slogan for Peer for our, our American Saul was "Eschew mediocrity," and that means, of course, "eschew" is a strange word, but but. Don't ever put up with mediocrity. If Owen Creditor is going to do something, it's going to be done right. And your reputation is, oh, my God, Creditor's doing it. It's going to just be done right the first time. It's a matter of practice. It's a matter of, of running your life. So that is, again, just mentoring our children. By the way, if you'd ever like to uh, present Americans All in a high school, uh, please contact me through JudgeJimGray.com. Uh, no charge. Be happy just to have you use it. I'll send you the information. It's just pretty good. And the other one was that we had a teacher who's actually was Mr. Gray because this was a high school setting would say oh I have a secret I have a secret to the student oh what's that what's that it's fun to learn and they all kind of gal come on but it is it's true and oh and you know this that the more you learn the more you see things are connected that uh, you, you just get to, to understand more about the world and, and what's going on in it and it's just a magnificent thing so you have seen a number of mock trials uh, happen? Have any of our participants, because it's been going on for numbers of years, have any as, as adults come back to be involved with CRF, Owen? Uh, yeah, it, uh, great question, actually. The, um, um, the short answer is yes. Uh, the longer answer is, in fact, we have a board member who I believe participated in mock trial when they were in high school. Then they coached mock trial after they started practicing law, uh, and then joined our board. Um, I had the opportunity to attend a swearing-in ceremony for someone who was on the CRF board who was active in the mock trial program. She shared the mock trial program for many years, and she was being sworn into the um, federal judiciary. Wow. And she had a number of people... And she had participated in mock trial at the high school in Orange County that I did the Constitutional Day presentation at. But now she's becoming a federal magistrate judge. And she has a young man come and speak at the swearing-in ceremony. And this young man was someone who she had met 
when she, I think she had coached him in mock trial, and now the young man, I believe, was either in his last year of law school or you know, was in law school, I think UCLA, in fact, uh, at the time. So it's amazing, you know, to see these kids go from this opportunity where they were presenting cases based on a, 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 a factual statement provided to them that evolves into going to law school, being successful, um, starting their careers. And I imagine more of them will be on the bench at some point down the road. Yeah, we, it's, it's all connected, where if you can get at young people early, uh, I felt that, and still feel, Owen, that the most important judging in our country is in juvenile court. In the abused and neglected children calendar, we had our successes. We certainly, unfortunately, also had some lack of or, or failures. But but if you lose them there, then they're going to end up in delinquency, and then they're going to end up probably in uh, uh, in various other criminal areas. So as soon as you can get their attention to channel them into productive areas and then watch them blossom, I, I believe in parenting that a critically important thing to do is to show your children their boundaries and enforce those boundaries and then they will they crave to know where the boundaries are what they can do what they can't and then they'll thrive by by being within those boundaries and it's the same thing if you're in the criminal justice system we mentioned just giving people a pat on the back that uh, I, I think I've mentioned this earlier on this show, but there was a time when I was on the formal probation calendar and I had a system in which probation would give a number of stars to people that were that were coming back showing how well they were producing on probation. And if they got three stars, it generally meant they were kind of treading water and not really participating a lot, but doing enough to get through it. Four stars meant that they took it seriously for themselves, and five stars meant that they would actually help their colleagues take it seriously as well. And I had a program in which if anybody got five stars, I would commend them, and I would come down off the bench and shake their hands. And twice, Owen, I remember in different occasions, young men actually broke into tears. I never had anybody in tears in peer court, but I did on the formal probation calendar. And they took me, told me, Your Honor, I've never had any man congratulate me for anything in my life. So it's really important wow. that we commend people for doing the right thing. You know, incentives matter, as we say. And, and Milton Friedman, one of my heroes, said it really well, where we get more of what we subsidize and less of what we tax. And today we're subsidizing victimization and woe is me and, and non-productive, and we're taxing success. And guess what we're getting more of? Peer court is commending people, channeling them in the right direction, and look at the results we're seeing. So what is your take on the youth in the future that have participated in, in CRF programs, Owen Creditor? Is our future secure well, as a country? I, I have to tell you. It's actually kind of exciting um, and encouraging, you know, because you're seeing some amazing young minds um, uh, going through the mock trial program, the peer court, the constitutional day. You see these young people asking questions, inquiring of what's going on, asking the minor things, and coming up with thoughtful solutions that seem tailored to the kids today and how kids respond best. So uh, I am encouraged. Um, I don't think it's going to come easy. I think that there's, you know, like anything in life, the ladders of life, some are going to get off the ladder earlier than others, and others are going to keep climbing. Um, and it's going to be the ones who work hard, tenacious. You know, nothing happens easily. Um, and uh, But you work hard and you put your mind to it. You, you, you can pretty much accomplish whatever you want. And that's what you see with a lot of these kids. These kids are... 
uh, looking to accomplish great things. And, you know, before we know it, we'll be transporting telepathically or flying around in cars and doing a lot more other things because of these kids. I, I should say, you know, incentives matter. And if you can see that, that what the possibilities are, uh, then you can start living those possibilities, having that can-do spirit. And, and just peer court helps mentor our children, transferring them into an understanding of responsibility, incentives, and the rest. Thanks to a lot of good people at the CRF, uh, Constitutional Rights Foundation. Thanks to lots of good people like Owen Creditor, who has been our guest for the last hour. I hope that you are inspired out there listening. And if you have any questions, Owen, once again, quickly, what's the website for CRF? It's www.crfoc.org. So contact the Constitutional Rights Foundation. If you have any questions, if you'd like more information, go to their website, uh, and you'll just really have a great tool. We've done it for a long time. It's successful. It's inspiring, and it's it's really productive. So there you have it. In, in, in using libertarian values of work hard, ethics, issue mediocrity, uh, and, and the rest. Yes, life is complicated, but it can be made more straightforward, understandable, and productive by using those libertarian approaches. And by doing that, we can all rise together. So that's the view from Peer Court mentoring work. And join us again next week on All Rise when we'll talk about another interesting subject and giving you enthusiasm and hope for the future. In the meantime, this is Judge Gray saying, life is good. Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my thoughts that help us control.